First Kings chapter 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned, that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say, He is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation, that they had not found you. And now you say, Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the four hundred prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God." And all the people answered, It is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. 
and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Remember where we were last week. A downward slide, down and down through the history of Israel to the point of this wicked king, Ahab, who did worse than any of the other kings before him. He was the worst, simply the worst, and he did all kinds of awful things, including following the directions of his wicked wife, Jezebel, and killing all of the prophets, destroying the prophets of God, and letting the prophets of the false gods worship and even eat at her table God warned and warned and he sent the prophets and still there was no repentance. And so at long last, last week, we heard how God sent Elijah. And the word of the Lord came to him and he spoke and he said, there's not going to be any rain until at my word, drought and a famine, until I say, stop, until I say once again that it shall rain. And so the time went on year after year after year. The means that God used to bring about this judgment on Israel and on Ahab and on Jezebel, the means that he used was Elijah's prayer. He, a man just like us, listened to God's word and God listened to his. And that's one of the lessons for us from Elijah this Lent. Listen to God's word and pray fervently, trusting that he will listen to your word. Elijah, a man just like us, prayed and the heavens were closed And again, prayed today, and the heavens were opened. The sky grew black with clouds, and it rained, and it poured, and the famine and the drought were over. But that's not a very popular position to be in. Elijah was regarded as a troubler. You heard Ahab greet him. Is it you, O troubler of Israel? It had to be, though, that Elijah would be regarded as a troubler. That's what happens when the prophet makes his way around when God's word makes its way around. You see this in the ministry of Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, trouble comes out of the woodwork. The demons start acting up. The Pharisees and the scribes and the self-righteous start feeling guilty. And then finally on the cross, the heavens are shaken. The earth is shaken. The ground splits open and the sky goes black. Wherever Jesus goes, wherever the word of God goes, it is regarded as trouble because of the sin in this world. And the sin in people's hearts, it's inevitable that Elijah would be regarded as a troubler. The prophet is always waging war against wickedness and unbelief, injustice. He exposes sin. He makes pride nervous. Elijah went to the widow of Zarephath, and it seemed like everything was going well there. She ate and fed her son for many days with that oil jar and that pot of flour that never ran out. But then, even for her, there was trouble. And she said to Elijah, why have you brought this trouble on me? Her son died. And it was a trouble that seemed to her to be on account of her sin. The presence of the prophet, the presence of God's word, brought to mind her sin, which is, in fact, the most common trouble that occurs when God's word shows up. And we often blame God's word or the messenger carrying God's word. Why are you troubling me? We say, can't you just leave my sin alone, quiet and peaceful in my heart? Just leave it where it sits. Don't bother it. Don't disturb it. Don't make it anxious or afraid. Don't expose it. But that's what happens when God's word shows up. It is for our good as we will see today. That's what happened with Obadiah. Now, Obadiah is introduced to us as the steward of Ahab's household, but he's given this incredible compliment. It's the kind of thing that 
I hope someday people will say about me. Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Wouldn't that be marvelous if that's what people said about you? He feared the Lord greatly. There are lots of ways to compliment a person, but I don't think any compare with that. He feared God. And notice what an amazing thing it was that he feared God, living in such a difficult spot, really between a rock and a hard place. Here he was, steward over the household of wicked King Ahab and a faithful man who fears God. He is always struggling to thread the needle between faithfulness to God and not losing his life. And so he hides those prophets, those faithful prophets of God, he hides them by fifties in the caves and feeds them bread and water because he knows that to save them is to preserve God's word. To save them is the godly, righteous thing to do. To save them, even at some cost to himself, is worth it because God's word is what we need most of all. Elijah meets him while he's out looking for grass. Everything was going dry. The animals were starving. And Ahab said to Obadiah, we'll go see if we can find at least some grass somewhere. You go that way, I'll go this way. And while Obadiah was out looking around, Elijah showed up and said, go tell Ahab to come and talk to me. And the first thing that Obadiah thinks about is what has happened in every other land where news of Elijah appeared. And Ahab went to look for him and they couldn't find him and it made Ahab furious. And so he says to Elijah, If I tell Ahab that you're here and you disappear on me, because look, that's what God often does. He takes his people and just sort of sweeps them away and they're gone, vanish like a breath. If that happens and Ahab thinks that I was lying to him, he's just going to kill me and that'll be the end of my life. Notice how Obadiah puts it, though. He says, what sin have I committed that you bring this trouble on me? You're calling to mind all of my guilt. Is that... What I'm paying for right now, is that why I'm going to be killed? Haven't you heard about the faithful thing I did to those prophets? Why are you troubling me, oh Elijah? The trouble goes, or at least it seems to go, wherever the prophet goes. But Elijah reassures Obadiah, and it is to Obadiah's great credit, that at this simple word of Elijah, Obadiah believes him. Elijah says, nope, surely as the Lord lives, I will appear before Ahab today. And now there's real trouble. It was trouble for the widow of Zarephath that Elijah was there. It was trouble for Obadiah that Elijah was there, but none of that compares to the trouble for Ahab. Ahab's king is up, kingdom is upside down. Everything is backwards. Nothing is the way it should be. They are worshiping demons. And so, of course, there will be trouble. Is it you, O oh, you troubler of Israel? And that's, of course, the first instinct is to blame the messenger. It's all your fault, but Elijah won't have any of it. No, it's not my fault. I'm just speaking God's word. It's your fault, King Ahab. It's your father's fault. It's the trouble you've brought on yourselves. Look at all of those prophets to those false gods. Speaking of which, why don't you gather some of them together and we'll have a little contest. We'll settle this once and for all. And so everybody gathered together and notice how strange this event occurs, how strangely things go. The people are there, and Elijah asks them a very important question. He troubles all of the people by saying to them, pick a side. No one wants to hear that. No one likes to have to choose. Pick a side. How long are you going to go on limping between these two opinions? If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Which is it? And they answered him, not a word. They're just like the Pharisees 
in the Gospels when Jesus comes to them and says, is it good to help somebody who is hurt? And they say, nothing. They don't want to pick a side. They answer him not a word. They are silent, in fact, just like Baal will be silent. As all of those prophets start dancing around the altar and whipping themselves and cutting themselves and praying and praying, and really you wonder what they were thinking. Did they think it would work? Hadn't they been praying for three years to this false god and nothing had happened? Hadn't they remembered that Elijah was the one who said the word, who prayed to God and the rain stopped? But there they were, putting on this show, putting on this charade, and just like the people were silent, no one listened to the prophets of Baal either. No one answered. No one was paying attention. That is always how it goes in the worship of false gods, in the worship of anything other than God. There is no one who will listen. There are always false offers of a listening ear. The false gods, the demons, the idols that we construct for ourselves in this life, they always promise that they're going to listen. They always promise that they're going to deliver, but they cannot come through. In the day of trouble, you might ask, and no one is listening. You ask your money to provide a future for you, and in the day of trouble, no one's paying attention. You ask your health to hold out at long last, but in the day of trouble, it gives way. You ask your flesh, your body, would you just be healthy and live forever? And it says no. At the end of the day, it does not listen. You ask friends and family, you ask the news, you ask wisdom of the world, and in the end, no one listens. No one can answer. No one pays attention. How could they? They're all false gods. They're all weak. They're all frail and fleeting. But the God of Elijah, your God, the God who invites you to pray fervently like Elijah prays, the God of Elijah is a God who listens. It's not that he listens in a big brother kind of a way, where he's just peering into your hearts, sneaking around, investigating all of your sinful thoughts. He can, of course, hear everything. But he's a God who is listening attentively for your cry, for your prayer, for your petition, for your plea. He's a God who makes promises and who keeps them. He's a God who remembers what he has sworn to do, he's a God who saves. And to show the people just what kind of a God he is, Elijah takes them back. When the prophets of Baal can't get results from their God, Elijah takes up the task. And he rebuilds an altar that had been broken down. And he rebuilds it just the same way that Moses built an altar so long ago at Mount Sinai. Twelve stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And then he lays a sacrifice on that altar, just as Moses laid sacrifices on that altar. And then there is this magnificent display of fire and glory. Just as there was fire and glory at Mount Sinai, when God gave the people his promises that he was their God and they would be his people. And then he tells Ahab, even Ahab, to sit down and to eat and to drink, because rain is coming, a covenant meal, just like there was at Sinai. As Moses and Aaron and the elders of Israel ate and drank in the presence of God. And then there is judgment on all of the idolaters, just as there was at Sinai. Remember with the golden calf, 
how Moses came down from the mountain and found that people had been worshiping a false god, and so he tells the Levites to strap on their swords and to execute the idolaters. That's what happens today as well. The prophets of Baal, they are all put to death. Elijah takes them back. He's not interested in doing a new thing. We don't need a new God. We don't need something different from what God has given us before. We just need to remember who our God is and what he has done for us. At Mount Sinai, God swore to his people that he would bless them, that he would give them a land and a heritage and a future, that he would be their God who would always protect them, who would never let anything hurt them, who would give them everything that they needed, just as he did as they wandered in the wilderness and daily there was manna lying on the ground and their shoes didn't wear out and their clothing had no holes in it. He gave them a land flowing with milk and honey, just like he said that he would. He defeated all of their enemies before them. He had always sworn to do it. And Elijah says, remember who your God is. He's not a God who changes his mind like people do. He's not a God who fails to listen and help the way these false gods do. He's a God who is faithful. Elijah teaches us today how to live our lives as Christians, always going back to who God is and what he has sworn to do for us. Always go back to what God has already done for you, the promises he has always made for, already made to you. This is what baptism is all about. It's your Mount Sinai. It's the place where the fire and the glory appear, where the covenant, covenant is made with you, where the wickedness in you is slaughtered and the blood is spilled in the river and you emerge holy and pure. That's what baptism is for you. God has already done it for you. And so always, at every turn, in the face of every trouble, including including and especially the trouble that comes when God's word reveals your sin, always go back. Go back to who God is and what he has done for you. Go back to what he has sworn to do for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will always listen. He is ready to take your cares and your anxieties, your sins, your guilt. He's ready to take it all. He's ready to give you new life in him. He's ready to protect you and guide you and lead you to green pastures and still waters. He has always been and always will be. We don't need something new. We don't need something different. We just need to remember. Elijah reminds the people of Israel in this glorious display, this glorious re reenactment of what happened at Mount Sinai. We don't get displays like that, but really it is what happens every time you come in this place and you confess your sins and you hear from the mouth of the pastor by the voice of Jesus that your sins are forgiven. Every time you eat and drink the body and blood of your Savior, you are eating and drinking that covenant meal, remembering again what God swore to do for you. And every time you leave this place, you leave renewed, reminded once again that your God is a faithful God. Your God is the God of Elijah. We have a lot more to learn from Elijah. He teaches us a great deal in these few chapters that he occupies in the books of 1st and 2nd Kings. We have a lot more to learn, but let's start with this. Remember who God is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.